Watch this. Okay, hang on. Wait for it. Wait for it. Bam. I literally just took a selfie, sent it through the airwaves, and landed it right on this TV like a magician. Yeah. And right now I'm feeling like I'm getting the energy on the other side of the TV that that's maybe not that impressive to you, like, like big deal, like you just did that. But think about this now. 30 years ago, if I just did what I just did, it would have blown everyone's mind. It's amazing to think about all the technological advances we have had just with our wireless connections and what we can do with our devices. And now we live in a world where we just expect it. Imagine a world without our wireless connections and what we do all the time in our daily lives. And we, we, we expect it, uh, we, we, we take it for granted, and then look out. If it's not working, the frustration, we just want to chuck things, we want to chuck our computers. Just before I came here, I couldn't get my notes printed on the wireless printer. And what did I have to do? I literally had to plug in my computer to the printer of all things. I mean, I was so frustrated by that. My kids just, I can hear them right now. Daddy, Roblox isn't working. It's glitching. Or we can't stream our next episode of Heartland. And I'm like, okay, sorry. Let me look at the waves in the air. I think there's a glitch right here. I don't know how it works. I don't understand it. I've tried. I know that they take these little pictures and then it breaks down and it goes into the other system and then puts it all back together. But how it actually works, I don't understand. And then if it doesn't work, we get so frustrated. Now, in a very, very similar way, when it comes to the wireless greatest connection of all time between humans and God, we can treat it in a very similar way. We have this wireless communication where we can talk and pray to God, and it's so easy for us to take it for granted. Right, And on the same page, we can also get really frustrated by when it doesn't work the way that we want to and we just want to chuck it out the window and we're so frustrated and we're yelling at him, why isn't this working, why isn't this working? Or we get frustrated or intimidated because we don't know how it works or we don't know what to do or what to say. Well, if that's you, you're in good company because Jesus' closest friends when he was here on earth felt the very same way. And, and they asked Jesus, what do we do with this thing? How do we communicate to you? What does that look like? And so Jesus told them. He not only told them how to pray, how to talk to God, but he also told them how not to talk to God. And that's what we're going to explore today. And whether you've been praying for a long time or you're just getting started, my hope is that this will help jolt us to have confidence to kind of help be a guide for us to communicate and tap into the ultimate wireless connection that we all have access to. But before we explore how to pray, let's pray. Father, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for being a part of what we're doing today. Help us not to miss what you would have for us today. Control my mind and my speech as I communicate. I pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, if you have a copy of the scriptures, open it up or turn it on your phone to the book of Matthew chapter 6. The book of Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to dive right into here as Jesus starts to explain first how not to pray. He says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. 
Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Jesus is calling out everyone who might be hypocrites, that basically just prays in the street corners just so that everyone can see them, and he calls them flat-out hypocrites. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't pray in public and that we shouldn't pray in public, but it does bring up a really good point that our public prayers or worship should be a reflection of what's happening in our private prayer and worship. If all I did was stand in front of this camera or stand in front of the church and pray once a week on Sunday morning in front of everyone so that everyone can see, that would be flat-out phony and that would be flat-out fake. Our private prayer should be a reflection of what goes on in our public prayer life. It continues. He says this, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward you. Jesus modeled this. He got away, he got alone in the wilderness many times and got alone and prayed. The importance of shutting everything out, getting alone, finding a place to meet with God. And the question I have for you is, do you have a place? Do you have a place where you meet with God? Where is your place? Where is your time? Have you set a time to meet with God? Maybe it's a special room in your house. It's that special chair or it's outdoors somewhere. Or maybe it's in the sanctuary of your car 15 to 20 minutes before you walk into work. Where is that place? It's so important to have one. Because if you don't have a place and if you don't have a time, most likely you're not going to take advantage of the connection with God. And so set a place, set a time, and then show up to the meeting. Don't miss the meeting that you set up with God. And when you're there, he continues, he talks about what you should do. He says, and when you pray, he says, do not heap up these empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. He says, don't heap up empty phrases. And the Greek word there is the idea of don't uh, babble on. The, in the pagan religions back in that culture, they would, in a sense, babble up these empty phrases up to up to their gods. And like if you were to use the Lord's Prayer for an example, sometimes they would use these inflections in their speech thinking that they could get God's attention like, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And or like, like that was going to get his attention like he was sleeping or something to wake him up. Or they would repeat, our Father who art in heaven, 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 thinking that the repetition and God's probably like, I get it. I hear what you're saying. Just be real. Saying, listen, you don't need, God doesn't need us to impress him. He just wants us to press into him. God, God, God is not up in his box seat at Little Caesars Arena and saying, all right, Travis, you're out on center ice. Now perform for me. Show me what you got. I mean, that's not what he's not looking for us to put on a show. He's just looking for us to be real. God doesn't need us to impress him. He just wants us to press into him to be real and have a real conversation with him. And so then Jesus says, what I want you to do is I want you to pray then like this. Here's what I want you to do. And then he gives this not memorized speech, not this chant, but a model, a guide for us to pray. And we know it today as the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father Prayer that many of you who are listening maybe have grown up and learned in your tradition of a religion that you were grown up in. And, and you can recite it. You have it memorized. But my hope today is that this Lord's Prayer, if it has become just a, a robotic phrase that you just have memorized, my hope is today is that we'll bring life to it today, that we'll bring it back to life the way that it was intended. And whenever I pray, 
I use this as, as a guide. I use this as a model to help me stay on track to pray the things that Jesus told us to pray for and to talk to God about. And so I always like to break the Lord's Prayer up into two halves. So you've got the first half and the second half. And so let's kick it off into the first half. The first half is this. Say this with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. we got to stop right here, right in the beginning, where he says, our Father. He says, our Father. We go to him. How do we go to him? We go to him in the title of our Father, recognizing who we're talking to. Because when we recognize who we're talking to, we understand more who we are. Understanding that he is not just this far-off force, but he is also an up-close personal father. The powerful force and the personal father, this comboed identity that we go to, it's unbelievable. We go to him in that, in that, in that posture that he is a far-off force and a close-up father. Now, for some of you, when it comes to the idea of, of a personal father, that's going to be harder for some of you to swallow because you didn't have a good dad. You didn't have a good father or you had lack thereof a father. And, and I am and sorry that you've experienced that or are experiencing that now. Uh, that is the result of a fallen, sinful world. And I want to be honest with you, I can't relate with you because I have a good father, but my father can relate with you because he didn't have a good father. My dad grew up in a home that was very abusive, an alcoholic father, and uh, my dad in his life wanted to change the tra trajectory, the cycle, and he did. And he has shown me what a good, loving father is to help me understand a bigger picture of God the Father. But hear me clearly, that no matter how good your dad was or how bad your dad was, God is not the reflection of your earthly father. God is the perfection of your earthly father. No matter if you have a good dad or a bad dad, God the Father is everything your dad will never be or never could be. He, he is infinity times infinity, the most powerful, loving father, everything we could ever imagine. Father, which reminds me, dads in the room, you ever think about this? We share one of God's ultimate titles, Father. I mean, what a privilege it is and the responsibility it is. May we never take it for granted. May we never distort it. May we never abuse it and help our children have a better, clear picture of what a loving father actually is. And so we go to God as Father. We, we, we go to him being real but respectful. We go to him being real, but respectful. I, I don't need my kids to come to me and put on a show either. I don't want my kids saying, oh, dad, you're the best dad in the world. I mean, maybe that's kind of cool for a, a, a little bit. But no, no, I want them to be real. But I don't want them to be disrespectful to me. I don't want them cussing at me or whatever. Or like, I want them to respect me, to have honor. Real, but respectful. In the same way, we go to our father in a real way, in a respectful way. It continues, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What in the heck does hallowed be your name mean? 
How it be is this idea to bring reverence, to bring respect, to bring honor and holiness to where it is due. It's the idea I always like to say, it's like bragging on God. It's bragging on him. Before you ask him for anything, we begin to adore him for everything, for who he is, for what he's done, his attributes, his characteristics. And we could go on and on and on because there's so much of who he is and what he's done and what he's all about. I mean, even this past week, we had this beautiful snowfall. And no matter how frustrated you were, maybe you know, shoveling, when you stop and think about how when, when the scriptures say that he washes us white as snow, and we step back and we just praise him, thank you for being a God that washes me white as snow, that literally has cleansed and washed my sin away, making me white as snow. And so we remember, we be, before we ask him for anything, we stop and we begin to adore him for everything. And then it continues, hallowed be your name. And then it says, your kingdom come. What does that mean, your kingdom come? On earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come can mean a couple things. The first thing is the idea of come back soon. Lord Jesus, come. We're ready for you. Please come back. This earth is groaning. Please come back soon. Oh, Lord Jesus, come. The other way that your kingdom come can mean is I want to see you show off. I want to see your power in heaven be displayed here on earth in the world, in my country, in my state, in my city, in my neighborhood, with my friends. May your kingdom show off in their lives. Your kingdom come. And then this one, one of the hardest four words to pray is this one, your will be done. (laughs) Getting to the point. In our prayer to say, God, your will be done. Why is this so hard? Because this is the point where we lower our pride and let go of what we want and say, I want what you want more. It's us aligning our will and our way that we want with what his way and what his will is, no matter how hard it is. No matter how hard it hurts, no matter how hard it stinks, no matter how difficult it is, we step back and we choose to trust and we say, your will be done. And Jesus modeled this. He modeled this before he died a horrific death on the cross, before he was crucified. We're told in scripture that he went into this garden called Gethsemane. And it says that while he was in the garden, he was praying. And as he was praying, the pressure was so much was so much that it says that he began to sweat drops of blood. And many scholars are in agreement and believe that this was the first moment possibly where Jesus felt the effects of sin for the first time. Where he felt all the dirt, he felt all of our garbage upon him. And not only that, he started to feel the anger and the wrath of God for all of our garbage, for all of our sin. And the pressure was so much that we see Jesus say, if there's another way, symbolically, if there's another way, would you let this cup pass from me? If there's another way, please, because I don't want this. I don't like this. This is painful. This is, ugh, I don't, don't want to go through this. I don't want to feel this. But then he stops. And Jesus says, your will be done. And even though it's painful, and even though it hurts, and even though we don't understand And even though it doesn't make sense, we step back and we trust, your will be done. And that's where many of you might be in right now. You're in a tough situation. You're in a trial that you're facing that's just, you don't even want to be in it right now. And to pray your will be done is really, really hard because you want what you want right now. 
And it's getting to the point to let go and say, but your will be done. And resting in the promise that in every trial that we face, Jesus can relate because he went through the most horrific pain that any human could ever experience and will ever experience on the cross. And understanding the promise that he doesn't promise to carry us around our trials, but he does promise to walk with us through our trials. Your will be done. Your will be done. Now, when you pray your will be done, here's a little tip, because this, is, this was messing with me a lot. And I really recognized this in my life this past year, that praying the your will be done prayer started to make my boldness of my prayers shrink. I, I started to be like, well, God, I want to see you do this, but your will be done. I mean, I, 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 yeah, but God, would you please heal my friend? Your will be done. And it was just like passive, your will be done, and the boldness, and my prayers were shrinking because I would just be like, well, you're going to do what you're going to do anyway, so your will be done. Your will be done. And then God reminded me, Travis, snap out of it. Your prayers are powerful. And there's a mystery to this, but God's made it really, really clear in Scripture that our prayers work. And yes, he's sovereign and he's in control and he has his foreknowledge. But part of the plan, he wants us, he wants you to be included a part of the plan. And so, yes, he grants things, but sometimes he holds things off until we ask for him to do it. That's why he says, ask and you shall receive. You do not have because you do not ask. In James 5, it says the prayers of a righteous person accomplishes much. So the prayers of an unrighteous person doesn't accomplish much. Our prayers work. There's power in our prayers. It's so powerful. I've seen the effects of people praying for me work in my life, and I have seen my prayers work in other people's lives. And so don't be passive with, oh, your will be done. No, no, no. We pray boldly. Father, would you heal my friend of this cancerous disease? Your will be done. Father, will you help this marriage that is falling apart, that I see breaking so much in their lives and in their children's lives? Your will be done. You pray it with boldness. Father, would you heal my friend of this addiction? Your will be done. We go with confidence. We go with boldness, trusting that his will will be done, and it will be done well. Don't let your praying, your will, be your confidence kill. Don't let praying your will be your confidence kill. So that's the first half. That's the first half. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of times I might just chill in the first half. And a lot of times it's important for us to spend more time in the first half because a lot of times we want to rush to the second half, just like a good football game or a good basketball game. You know, the second half is always a little more exciting. Why is that? Because the first half of the Lord's Prayer, let's go here. The first half, it's all about him. The first half, it's all about him. The second half, it's all about us. It's all about us. Here's the second half. The second half, he says, give us this day our daily bread. That is the idea of us bringing our list to him, bringing all of our requests to him, the big ones, the medium-sized ones, even the small ones. And for many, many years in my life, I would not pray the small ones because I felt like, well, I don't want to bother God. There's so many other world tragedies going on. Like, he doesn't need to hear my little requests. Remember, that every size request when we go to him with it is showing an act of worship to our Savior. It's showing that we are trusting him with our daily needs. The example when he says, give us this day our daily bread, 
is, is him going back, Jesus going back in time to Moses and the Israelites where God would drop manna from heaven to show them that they needed to, 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 to look to him for their provision, for their daily provision. And so we go to God and we give him all of our requests, the big ones, the medium-sized ones, the small ones, understanding that God is not a genie in a bottle. God may not give you exactly what you want, but he will always give you exactly what you need. It keeps going. Give us this day our daily bread. And then it says, and forgive us of our debts. Forgive us of our debts. Now, for those of you that have received Jesus as your Savior, you have been forgiven for the penalty of your sin. However, last time you checked, you probably have fallen short this week. You probably have sinned this week. And so do I need to ask God for forgiveness again of that sin? It's already been paid for. The penalty and forgiveness has already been washed. However, our sin begins to make us feel distant from God. And we begin to feel like aliens from God. He's not distancing himself from us. We're distancing ourselves from him because of our sin. And so when we fall short during the week, we go and we say, forgive me for this. And it's not like, forgive me, like, like, will you do it? It's thanking him for forgiving it already. It's It's us clearing the air with our Father, to bring us close to him, to not feel the shame of our sin, to clear the air with God. One, one, one example of this was years ago, uh, when I started driving, I was the worst driver. I mean, I wasn't a bad driver, I just, I was a cop magnet, okay? Cops loved me, and I would get pulled over all the time for five over or this over, and it was just, it got to the point, and then I would drive without my driver's license, don't recommend that, children, uh, and then I'd get caught. I, at one point, I'm pretty sure I had 22 points on my driving record. I don't even know how that happens, but I had that many points, and so I got pulled over again without my driver's license, and I was going to court. It was really frustrating, obviously, to my father, <laughs> and uh, we're in the, uh, in the courtroom waiting to hear you know, what the judge had to say with this misdemeanor. And my dad steps out of the courtroom for a second, and then he comes back in, and then they call me up. And so I go up to the podium, and you know, I'm so nervous, and I'm just, okay, just give it to me. How, how, am I going to lose my license for another year? What's going to happen? And then the judge starts to talk about that they're waiving this misdemeanor, no points, no fines, and they gave me my driver's license back. And... I just kept my mouth shut because I thought maybe they were going to make a mistake here. They didn't know who they were talking to. It was like, thank you, Your Honor. And I just kind of walked right out of the courtroom as fast as I could. And as I was in the waiting room, then I noticed my dad talking to the prosecutor. And then later, the judge came out and was talking to my dad. Little did I know, when my dad stepped out of the room, he went and talked to the judge on my behalf. And my dad worked out a deal with the judge and the prosecutor without me realizing what he did. And I'll never forget getting back in the car with my dad and that feeling when you mess up as a kid, right? Like, who's going to talk first? Dad going to talk? I'm going to talk. And so what did I do? I just, I didn't say anything. I got home, got in my truck, and just sped off. No, that's not what I did. In that moment, I stopped and I just said, Dad, thank you for doing what you did. Like, thank you for, thank you for helping erase my record, erase my debt. Now, was my debt already erased? Was it already canceled? Yeah. But I wanted to restore that connection. I I wanted to thank my father for doing what he did. 
In the same way, just like my dad went on behalf of me to the judge, Jesus has gone on behalf for us to the judge to cancel out our sin. And so we go to him, forgive us of our debts. And not only do we ask God to forgive us of our debts, we also, in the same way as we have forgiven our debtors, this means that we spend time making sure that we forgive those who have wronged us. And I say this all the time, forgiveness is the hardest thing to do sometimes, but it is the most healing thing you can do. Don't allow unforgiveness to harbor bitterness in your life. It literally, as you've heard probably many times, it puts you in a prison. And when you don't forgive, guess who keeps winning? The person who wronged you. Because they're not thinking about you. And you keep thinking about them. And so you forgive. Even when you don't mean it, you say it. You keep saying it. That's why I think Jesus said, you forgive 70 times seven, because he knew how hard it would be for some of us. You don't know what they've done to me. You don't know how they've hurt me or my family. I know, I don't. But he says to forgive 70 times seven, even when you don't mean it. Keep saying it, keep saying it, until you mean it, until you believe it. And we ask ourselves this question, am I giving forgiveness the way that I've received forgiveness? Am I giving forgiveness the way that I've received forgiveness. Lastly, it says this. It says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the idea of we pray on the offense. We understand that we are literally in a spiritual war and the enemy's like a, like a lion just trying to devour us and bury us and knock us down. And so we're going to be 10 steps ahead and we're going to pray on the offense because we know where we're weak. We know where we're vulnerable. And we're going to pray that God keeps us from that temptation and delivers us from that evil. And we pray against the lust, the lies, the pride, the deception, the anxiety. We pray against it and we say, guard me from this, Father. Lead me from this. Deliver me from evil. And that is the model. That is the guide that Jesus gave us to pray and talk to God. And, and, he, and here it is, all in one. You know, this is the idea. The first half, remember, it's all about him. The second half is all about us. And sometimes I get through the whole thing as I go through. Other times I just chill up here. Or sometimes I do. I just skip right to the second half because I got some things I need to, I need to tell them. But this is the process to help guide us. Are you tapping in to the power of this wireless connection that you have? It's a gift that we have. Let's not take it for granted. Let's not get frustrated because we don't know, you know, how it works sometimes where it's not working the way we want it to. Keep connecting to the powerful source that we have in God through our prayer. Maybe you've heard this before, but it says that a prayerless person is a powerless person. And that's the truth. A prayerless person is a powerless person. A prayerless father is a powerless father. A prayerless mother is a powerless mother. A prayerless leader is a powerless leader. A student, a prayerless student is a powerless student. Let's tap into the source. It's a gift. Find your place. Set the time. Meet him. Don't put on a show. Be real. He's all ears. He wants you to be real. And he's given you a guide. Now take advantage of it and use it. It works. It works. It works. Now, for some of you, 
you might be wondering, okay, you've never really engaged in talking to God and why would God give us this map? Why would God wanna give us a map to talk to him, a guide? Well, it's because this isn't a religion. This isn't a tradition. This is a relationship. It's a real relationship. And so he wanted us to have a guide to talk to him because he really wants to talk to us. He really wants us to engage and have a real relationship with him. And maybe if you're honest, you don't have a real relationship with him. And if you don't, and you want one, then what are you waiting for? You can start a relationship, a real relationship with God today. And by doing that, that's putting your faith and trust in him that he is God and that he's the one that washes us white as snow and, and, and went with it. And instead of letting the cup pass, he let the cup hit him like we talked about and he died and he rose again. And the scriptures say that all who call upon him will be saved. All who call upon him will be forgiven when you receive Jesus as your savior and your relationship can start with him right now. And so I wanna give you that opportunity. So wherever you're watching, you can just, wherever you're at, just say, Father, here I am. Today, I wanna start talking to you. I, today, I, I wanna have a real relationship with you. I want it to begin today. And so right now, I just confess my sins to you. I believe that you, Jesus, are God. I, I'm humbled and I thank you for dying for me in my place and rising again for me. And so I, I, in this moment, I lower my pride. I surrender my life to you. You're my king. And right now I receive you, Jesus, into my life. And so as we continue to pray, for those of you that truly meant that, right now, your real relationship with Jesus has started. And no one can take that away from you. The scriptures say that you will no longer perish, but have everlasting life. Well, listen, if you truly meant that, uh, we don't want you to walk alone. And so we, we want to encourage you. We want to celebrate with you. you. You probably have questions that you want answered. You can just text the word to the number on the screen. Just text the word Mile City to the number on the screen. And we just can't wait to celebrate with you and answer any questions that you may have. Now, before you go, before you go, before you go, hanging with me, um, we wanted to close our time uh, with the remembrance meal. Uh, Jesus told us to, 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 to gather and to remember the work of him on the cross. And symbolically, we take bread that represents his body that was broken for you and for me. And we take the cup that represents his blood that was poured out for you and for me. And, and, and we remember that. And we always say, we take it seriously. And then you gotta be one of his kids. You, you have to be a follower of Jesus. You have to have that real relationship with him. And so for some of you, that's today. You started that today. And so we invite you to take. And so uh, as you take this, uh, I, I'm gonna sing a song that I wrote about the Lord's Prayer. And as this song is sung in the chorus, I'm just singing the word Alleluia, Alleluia over and over again, which is just an, another word to just say, I adore you, I praise you, you are holy, you are awesome. It's that bragging on God. And so as you take, as you take of the bread and as you take of the cup, just using the Lord's prayer as a model, just thank him. Say, Alleluia, thank you for saving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again for me. So as this song plays, whenever you're ready, take of the bread with thankfulness. Take the cup with thankfulness as we remember the work of Jesus.
See 